Hi folks, and welcome back to another episode of Reload Podcast. My name is Connor McCann, and with me as always is... Lee Maxwell. And... Nigel Lamont. So, we have another great episode lined up for you guys today. We'll be talking about the now infamous SSC speed record, the release specs for the Mark 8R, along with some other news, and some rather uh, interesting racing modifications for our topic today. But, as always, we'll kick things off in the usual way. Nigel, what's new with you? Um, Well, I think I talked last time about the Mark II Golf that I sold. That's right, yeah. Uh, the fella just... The fella he is in Dubai. I think he's back now, actually. He sent one of his minions to pick it up on a transporter. So we have goodbye to it and hello to some sweet, sweet dollars. Excellent. Where's it going? Um. Well, you know, when you have cash sitting, you're just like, what's what's on the market? What's on the market? But I'm trying to control myself. And then I started to see, I started to look at ramps for the workshop. Ooh. So, like the half height type ones? No, not in here, uh, at the farm. Oh, right, right. So like a full lift? Yeah. Oh. So Yeah, we've been looking at those yeah. too. <laughs> um, you can get pretty good ones for not much over a thousand, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so Yeah, it's something that you're not going to be using every day, which you wouldn't be. It's just something I've put off and put off, and I just sort of went, I think I need to invest in a set of ramps. Yeah, I've been doing the same, and Lee's been pushing more for a lift in the new place, and now I'm like, what am I, coming 32? And I'm just sort of thinking to myself, I don't want to lie on my back anymore in the wet or the cold. Or yeah. It's not good for you. I'm still convinced that's it's what wrecked me last year. I have a bit of work to do in the crowd over the winter. And I, was, like, I have to pull the suspension out of the front of it, feel every things I want to do. And I thought of jacking it up, putting an axle stands and all that there. Whereas I could take it up to the farm, drive it onto a ramp and just go at it. Go at it, basically. And realistically, any... it's safer. Yeah. yeah. You're not so. rolling about Chinese axle stands going to fall on you. I think that might be the next investment in the next wee while. Very good. So, uh, yeah, I've a, that's one of the things I've been doing this week. Oh, the Mark II was going as also the wee, I think I mentioned the last time as well, this is the Cabriolet that I was thinking of putting up for sale. Oh, yes, that's right, yeah. And it's quite a high spec in that one, isn't it? Yeah, it's an uh, avant-garde, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's got creamy leather interior and stuff like that. So uh, It's the first convertible I've seen that has air conditioning on it, which is kind of weird. Yeah, so I did an MOT Tate booked for Friday, you know, Thursday past, and started to look at it, what it needed, and all the rest of it, and started to go through the list and fix this and fix that. And then all of a sudden, the hood didn't work anymore. Lovely. And then I was talking to a couple of mechanics, and they were basically saying now with COVID stuff or regulations or whatever, it's not just a case of one man putting the car through. It's basically four or five men that are inspecting your car. So nothing's going to get missed? So nothing's going to get missed. They're very particular, and... I can't see that car passing on the fly. And I just thought, what's the point? So, yeah, you're so wasting I, can't, time. I can't sit the MOT and just thought, right, I'll look at it next year when I get a chance. I think the switch for that also runs through the ignition switch in those, isn't it? I know my convertible, you have to have the key in before the oh, actual... So it's it's not like a normal Mark III ignition barrel, I don't yeah. think. So apart from that, it, it, I think it, 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 should, it should pass. It's just there's a few wee things, like ABS light was coming on stuff and just wee fittery things. Yeah, I put that on the back burner, um, and I've booked a load of leave this past week. So you've been up my yard and yep. through the various sheds, and there's just crap lying everywhere. So there's also some gems. I've been uh, trying to do a bit of clear out. So between lighting bonfires and piling up big piles of scrap, I've been busy with that there. Very nice. Uh, another big thing this week was reloads launching the new range of stuff with new sweatshirts and then the big release of the Audi Quattro S1 Night Drive range from 8380 Labs. 
So we've done a photo shoot this week up at Andrew Maxwell's uh, workshop with various Audis and Quattros about the place. And some and models as well. So Yeah, my sister that everybody messaged me about. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Dennis. Yeah. <laughs> Although I do believe it wasn't just Dennis as well. <laughs> the, the DM box was going. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, thanks to Mark Hill and Andy. And uh, it should, the, the new range of stuff should be dropping midweek. So that's what was the 11th, 12th November, something like that. Very good. We don't go in precise precise dates in reload so uh, you'll hear about it on social media put it that way yeah keep an eye out for it the stuff looks really nice by yeah way. we'll try and get the best products we can and rather than we touch to it and stuff and it's, the, a, it's, the hoodie, it's a really cool design it's a cool design the hoodies the quality hoodie is fantastic so uh, we have very limited number of these so if you want something act on it don't sleep so that sort of summarizes my last week or so leave some positive news for this time i do i got my car up to robin there last weekend to get some snazzy coatings and and whatnot put on it that's right so yeah it looks great it's like yep. a new car it's like well you guys have all seen robin's work before like it's robin's tippity top robin sprinkled his pixie dust over it he yeah. certainly did no it, it transformed it, it was like a Light paint correction, ceramic coating on the wheels, glass paint, mm-hmm. interior sorted out, which the interior yeah, needed sorted it out. really did. There was loads of grass laying in the, like the footwells. And I was no, like... What sort of grass we're talking about? <laughs> like cut grass? Yeah, I couldn't figure sort? it out. Like, <laughs> Not resin, no. Where Not, is no. all this grass? <laughs> but when... I, I can't figure out where it came from. I it's think like I know where it was. It's like our yard is all... <laughs> on the driven Concrete run. and... But it wouldn't have been that long ago, was it? Of Connor, Connor out cutting the grass, and <laughs> some chance no, no bag, no bag on, and or sorry, that was a bad choice of words. <laughs> you leave my bag out of this. Driving past and blowing grass in through the window, the Octavia or the superb, sorry. I, uh, There's no chance of that happening because Connor doesn't cut the grass. Oh, right, I do okay. not. We have a man for we that. We have a man. Do you sit on your summer chair, smoking a cigar in your underpants, watching him cracking the whip? <laughs> <laughs> I speak to him sometimes. That's enough. Um, how much is that the word <laughs> yeah how much and go away <laughs> it's terrible yeah so you're happy with that yeah absolutely you're, delighted with it you're back on the road this week as well yeah so I was um, down to Dublin and around the M50 about five or six times this week so uh, it's holding up well the glass is sheeting off in the way that I wanted to so that's the one thing you really enjoy about it isn't it yeah like honestly I literally couldn't really give a fuck about the rest as long as the glass was done because the glass is great yeah the glass is it's it's strange, you know, today we come up and we come out and there was rain on the windscreen and you get onto the road and you don't touch the wipers and just drive and it just sheets off. It's amazing. That's what I always like about it. Myself then, my me is more of a wee as usual with the, the guards build. Everything's kind of on hold now. So we got the drainage put in behind the wall and we have to wait until the, dry, the ground dries up to do the base. So at the minute it's just... There is stone on it, but below it's just pure mud. And if you start putting more onto it and roll, like trying to vibrate it in, it's just going to come up through it. So that's on hold till what, maybe January? Yeah, I'd say so. That kind of thing. But it's good to have something done at least. Another thing for me is I've mentioned before that either me buying things or me selling things never goes well. And this week it's buying things because I said before that the exhaust broke on the Bora and the exhaust in the Bora is like. I know it was like hen's teeth trying to find one. Nobody has them. I want a Miltech for it. Miltech don't make them anymore. So done a quick Google search or anything. It was on Facebook. 
and I found this guy breaking a four motion Bora with a Miltech on it. I thought, oh, happy days. Messaged him, do you still have that? Yep, no problem. I said, you wouldn't happen to have the cat or a D-cat pipe for it? He says, oh, I have a sports cat here, but it's gutted. I was like, perfect, this is exactly what I need. <laughs> here we go. Um, I says, okay, how much do you need? £250. I was like, my God, wow. this is like the holy grail. Are you happy enough to ship to Northern Ireland? Oh, yeah, yeah, just let me get a, a postage price on it. Thought, no problem. Uh, a week and a half later, I've messed him three times, ghosted. So that's the end of that. Because yeah, you looked him up and he had posted stuff to yeah. like Europe and like other places before. So it's not like he's averse to shipping anything. Yeah, it was all going very positive until he just started turning to Casper. I was like, fuck you. <laughs> so that's as always. Um, oh, another one as well, actually. Shout out to Gavin Black, who down Blackline Performance trimmed two steering wheels for me. So I got two steering wheels sent over from a friend in America to get trimmed over here because apparently the prices are phenomenal in the States. And Gavin did them, an R32 wheel and a BBS wheel, and they're flawless. Uh, did I show you photos of them? No, I don't no. think you've seen them. I in saw person? them in person, obviously, and they are super yeah. unbelievable. Like, I, like, honestly, any wheel I have will be going back to them to get done. Like, it's so, so good. And then finally, last minute bit of news as of this morning, I'm running for president in America. Yes, I noticed this here <laughs> and I shared it on Instagram when I seen it. Uh, Connor decided to get involved in American politics with Joe Biden allegedly winning the US presidency. Yep. And Trump's hiding in a golf course at the moment to try and deny all knowledge. Of the and I'm going to wipe both of them out. And, uh, so <laughs> McCann 2020, as I said in the last episode, it's coming. So, yes, we McCann. Yes, we McCann. <laughs> Copyright. <laughs> Don't tell Obama. <laughs> so that's correct. Yeah. So I so woke when, up this when's, morning. When's the passport getting sorted? I need to alter my birth certificate first. Just drop it into right. Photoshop. Then if anybody, we cries. are very good at Photoshop. So I'm pretty, pretty good. good. I can yeah. see this happening. Yep, that's good. So shout out to Kyle, KR Belts, and Nick. My golf is slow. Um, I woke up this morning, be tagged in that on Instagram stories. I was like, what is going on overnight when I'm asleep? <laughs> so check out Connor's Instagram to see the post he's talking about. It's so, quite hilarious it is going for the mexican vote with my sombrero as well the photo shoot everyone's fantastic whoever done that photo shoot yeah. that was tony watson that's there you go. york <laughs> <laughs> and just before we move on then as well um shout out to a listener and friend dan nelson on getting married there recently and ben emerson another listener of ours has had his first child so yep. congrats, congrats to those guys i'm terrible at remembering things like that and it just happened to be that I was making show notes and seeing it, and I says, I'll note this down. So if I don't mention anything like that for anyone else... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Don't take any offence, because I have my head's like a sieve. Can't be easy for them guys with what's going on. No, mm. definitely not. I childbirth or marriage, yeah. it's all up in the air. Like, it's definitely odd. We're avoiding the marriage topic, so it's okay. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys are finished up, then we'll move on to the news. Let's do it. I think the first topic we should bring up is the SASC... To Atara. That's it, indeed. Yeah, world record that was set 10th October, 316 miles an hour. You talked about it in the last episode, didn't you? I was very excited. Yeah, it was just fantastic and all the rest of it. Uh, 6.9 litre twin turbo, 10 years in development by uh, Jared Selby. Yep. 1750 brake. Uh, they done the speed record on the same road that the Koenigsegg Agira RS done in Las Vegas. Uh, which done what speed did they do in it? I think it was 290 or something. Yeah, it was high 200s. I can't remember exactly. Uh, it was 2017. So they put the video up and everyone was like, wow. And then Tory boy Shmee. Oh, 
hateful human came being. on with a 15 minute <laughs> video basically using gps distances barriers on the motorway i think they ran both videos back to back and were able to yeah. see where they were at each point yeah. and for how long and it all worked out kind of the same i think somebody else calculated the gearing as well that it just didn't it didn't work match out. out yeah so i don't know what the story is but there was also a guy i mentioned last episode misha chowdron the apex taxi guy and his That's right, business yeah. partner michael they actually took a video out of it uh, it was very clinical video they don't know the, the sort of the specifics of it so word got around as it does in the modern world and a few days later then jared shelby came on basically saying this car has been developed for 10 years it was very very good in front of the camera it was uh, a very emotive statement yeah, he I released did. the statement he didn't the, say how dare you doubt me the, but the music in the background was very uh very powerful wasn't it yeah uh patriotic something you might say patriotic so uh like he, he basically says look We'll use one GPS company. We're going to bring in multiple GPS uh, companies and invited the YouTubers to come over for the next attempt. So yeah, to rerun the record. The car world awaits. See, I think the thing was that basically they said no matter what they said or did to try and justify the record wasn't going to be believed or it was always going to have this thing hanging over it. So the only way they could redo it or the only way they could justify it was to redo it. So... The problem that leads into it's it's colossal money to close that road. Yeah. You know, I think it's like 40, 50 grand to close the road. And then you have all your your equipment, people flying out. It's probably a half a million pound day out. Yeah. I think they originally tried to say that, oh, well, I can't remember the name of the equipment company that they used, but they said, oh, well, look, they're, justif- they're verifying our results. And they come out and said, no, we're not because our guys weren't there. They were supposed to be there, and I think with the COVID rules, they couldn't actually be yeah. there. So, so it actually wasn't officially... No, so they ran it themselves with the equipment. Probably, I I don't think they were trying to fool anyone. I think it was just a genuine error in that they set it up wrong or and thought that, you know, it's too th- close of a thing to watch that people aren't going to catch out if you thought you were doing something wrong. I think Shmi's point was basically the difference in speed on the yeah. two runs he says it, it just didn't make a lot of sense the fact that it was like a 50 mile an hour jump yeah. from the last record yeah if it had broke it by 5 or 6 miles per hour yeah, yeah fair enough but this was he says these record attempts they're broken by 5 and 10 mile an hour increments somebody just to come in and just go bang look what we've done it just it raises suspicion so that's why he investigated it further and that is a wee shit uh, shmee shmee you like him or don't like him whatever but when Misha and your fellow Michael came on, they're just absolute hardcore race guys, speed yeah. motor cars. Then I started to listen a bit more to it. The thing is, as well, if that run had been ran on a different road, there'd have been less of this, you know, comparing each waypoint yeah. and things like that. So this might have slipped and might well, have stood that, as a record. That, that obviously was their dig at Koenigsegg. Yeah. We'll beat you in the on, same on road. On the same road, yeah. So that's maybe played against them. If they had it done a different road, not, not a thing would have been said. They probably would have been fine, yeah. <laughs> um, secondly I have on this list uh, this week and a lot of the media they have been rolling out the new RS e-tron GT okay what's it now don't roll your eyes too much I'm surprised <laughs> you can't hear my eyes rolling so this is basically Audi's take using the same platform as the Porsche Taycan um, oh right right so they're it's a, it's a Taycan with a an Audi badge on it well it is and it isn't the question asks is basically, is this the beginning and the end for the RS pedal cars? Oh, is this going to filter into the rest of the RS stuff? Yeah. Well, I think the new RS6 has a hybrid motor on it as well. Yeah. But it's not traditionally, I think it's like a, 
I don't think you charge it up. It charges off the actual system. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's not a traditional, the way like the Golf GTE runs a separate motor as well. It runs yeah. alongside the petrol stuff. Well, this, uh, this press sort of launch that had uh, Carway, that Misha Chowdhury out, I think Shmi might have been there. They basically flew him out to a sort of runway, sort of track area in roads in Greece. Okay. And they just let them rip on them. The the car has a, it looks absolutely class, a 175 kilowatt front motor, 335 kilowatt rear motor, which equates to 631 brake horsepower. It's the most powerful RS okay, yeah. factory ever. They're saying not the 63.5, but a couple of the guys that were on YouTube doing this, they had their proper data loggers mm-hmm. and it was high twos. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's, so, a, that's a lot of a lot of whiplash. Also, the thing is, there's no battery depletion like Tesla's. You know, they just run yeah. again, again, again. Range isn't too hot. I think it's slightly over 200 miles on these. I think that's a big thing that I already have over Tesla is that back-to-back runs, the Tesla the motors and batteries heat up and you're losing performance, where the Audi stuff is always maintained the same, but they've been testing out. I think that's a part of the reason why the VAG group didn't roll out their big guns they for want, so long. They wanted to get the non-depletion batteries. Yeah, although Tesla run more like a phone company in that they'll throw anything out and then they'll do like on over-the-air updates or try and like update, you know, the actual car itself by getting a, like a technician to work on it. Mm-hmm. They're, they're more about getting it out and then developing it where your traditional car companies are developing behind the scenes, which I don't know, in today's day and age when everybody wants everything now, is that going to be kind of pushed back a bit, you know, with tesla the way they're working in yeah. fairness like to your average consumer who just wants a car they're not going to give a fuck about back-to-back hot runs because yeah. they're not going to be doing that do no, you know what i mean right, so it yeah. doesn't it literally doesn't matter in the real world but that's the market the rs is aimed at it's all about figures yeah I, yeah whereas a street a city car electric car is different yeah you know um yeah whether they're going to use those figures or not it's nice to sit in the pub and go my rs does this yeah yeah I was just li- listening to a few reviews on it, you know, to summarize the cars. And I think the general consensus was, wow, amazing car, but it's just not an RS car. It's more like a Grand Tour. Okay, yeah. It doesn't have the RS feel, the rawness. And I truly believe that's something to do with, you can't hear the growl. It's, well, it's removing It's a primal thing to hear a V8 yeah. growl at you going. It's yeah. something you take away one of your senses, you know. It, yeah. It, it, takes away from the experience and i think that's the biggest battle against electric is that element it definitely is for me because i know even the likes of like well my bora the 24 valve v6 it's not the quickest car in the world and even like there's family cars out there that like diesels you'll remap it'll be quicker but i love this experience as you said before lee you get into it and you just blast it down the road and you have the sound it's just how it feels you know it it's creates an emotion in you as opposed to just ride or sitting down and going well my car's quicker than yours i don't care about that it's one thing that doesn't interest me and then that leads on to right that's a your part of experience of driving is the noise and for me part of experience of driving is manual and you can see the manual more and more with more announcements coming out manual's not going to be here in five years time especially with electric because there's no call for it no. you don't need it so you know what what are cars going to be like in 10 years time hold on to the crado that's what i say (laughs) i think another thing if you're talking about you know i was talking about doing back-to-back runs there so the only place that's going to be useful to you is like drag racing for example yeah you know some of the drag days or something that we go to traffic lights 
traffic lights. Or smoking some fools <laughs> off the lights. That's it. <laughs> About your road. <laughs> but I think part of the appeal of drag racing and things like that is not only turning up and doing your runs, but actually the work and the tuning and the all the mechanical stuff that goes into the background. But if you can just turn up with an off-the-shelf electric motor that smokes everybody, and what? then everybody just has an off-the-shelf motor... Th- Where's the fun? There's no fun. There's no point. You know, it's just meh. I honestly, can you imagine sitting watching drag racing, like at a totally electric event? Snore. Yeah, one of the things for me, again, is the sounds you're experiencing there. Like, you run your car on drag days and stuff, Nigel, and you're not a mechanic, and you're not, you know, you're a hobbyist. Not you can do a bit. <laughs> but at the same time, you've done a bit of work at the car, you've got yeah. it tuned up, tinkered up, and whatever. You're not going to be able to do that with an electric car. You've got to rely on whatever the manufacturer put in it. Yeah. There's only going to be certain specialist people who are going to actually be able to do anything with them from a tuning point of view. So all that would would be gone. Yeah, someone will be able to hot rod the likes of the motors in them. They'll, you know, like Eastern a European tuners as well. 80 pound car, car park remap. <laughs> Less smoke this time though. It'll not be pops and bangs. It'll be sparks and yeah. something else. <laughs> if there's any smoke out of that remap, it's a bad job. But you're right. It's, there's that and there's the sound and there's the, it's just, there's no character. There's no. There's definitely something lost. Yeah. That's what absolutely. it is for me. And I'm sure there's people out there who totally disagree with us, but for However, me, <laughs> with all that being said, my first piece of news that I wrote down this week is about an electric rally car. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> what a turncoat. Because, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? I saw a picture of it, and it was a picture of this Hyundai Kona with like a big wing, all the graphics and stuff, going absolutely sideways on some dirt Obviously, I can't hear it, but you feel like you can hear a picture. Yeah. And then I read it and was like, holy shit, it's an electric car. Which is interesting for, for the rally stages, because we've seen electric race cars, but not in that kind of environments, which you imagine would be quite hard on an electric car. I wonder what way they work with the recharging. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, between the stages. If it's, or is it changeable battery packs? I think that's... The only way they'll get lorries electrified is changeable battery packs. Oh, definitely. It could. You'll drive into a service station. Lift in. Clunk, clunk. A bit like a forklift is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, you can charge your forklift, but there is ones that you can change the battery yeah. pack over for quick change. So, yeah, I'd say that's probably the only way you're going to get that on a competitive rally stage as well. Well, this is in the New Zealand rally. So, it's uh, it says it's capable of over 800 kilowatts, which equates to about just over a thousand brake horsepower. Jesus. It says, but we have focused on building the car to have comparable power to a current internal combustion rally car, so we aim for it to be winning rallies against normal ice competition between, excuse me, from 2022. So it's more likely to operate between five and 600 horsepower in, in the rallies, although they could turn it up for special stages and hill climbs. That would be fun. Group B back. It's called yeah. Group E. Group E, yeah. <laughs> that could be fun. Uh, the other no, the, thing about it just, is... I was just sitting thinking, the... Back in Group B days, the spectators had a chance because they heard it coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wasn't getting now there's a 600 brake Hoover coming down the road. <laughs> a ghost. <laughs> They're doomed. It says the, the EV rally car needed to be fast and spectacular as well as capable of competing in a traditional rally format against normal ice competition, which is fine. Now, this is a bit I'm not so sure on. It will do so on an oral front too, we're promised. Oral as an AU, not O. I see you both looking at me. I was excited. I'm I'm disappointed. (laughs) 
while the, the sound was a twin job there, you know. <laughs> while the sound is yet to be finalized, uh, we're assured it'll be part of the spec the spectating experience when the Kona zips past. So they're gonna make some kind of artificial piped in sound for it, which I'm not I don't like that at all. If you're going to do that, would you not just make it sound like some sort of big V eight? Yeah, I'd, I would. Yeah. I'd make it sound like that screaming goat meme. <laughs> <laughs> what a thought. <laughs> oh dear. I would make Random. it sound like some like some of the Star Wars uh, oh, ships and TIE stuff. Fighter. TIE, TIE Fighter. Fighter. I was fighter. Say TIE, TIE Fighter. Yes, that is. Oh my god. They're like the big, they're the screamy ones. Yeah. yeah. Oh, in the New Year episodes. That come out, remember in the films where they're coming. The Next TIE fighters. Week we'll be having a special on Star Wars. <laughs> I am a Star Wars nerd. <laughs> where they come down like onto the planets as opposed to just in and space. And they're coming out from like the sun behind and them. You can hear them. That's oh my so god! Cool. So or, people, you should see how happy these two are right now. Another, nerd alert. Do you know another Get their rocks one, off in Star Wars chat? Another sound I would pick: pod racers. Pod racers also because I think they are based on a V8. Certainly the, that big one. Sebulba's one was big based on a V8. Yeah. Yeah, Fulva's one. Sebulba. 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 You take your mind out of the gutter. This is Star Wars. <laughs> well, talk. she was talking about orals <laughs> two minutes ago. Now you're talking about vulvas. <laughs> like this is a disgraceful. Nigel. Get him on, just up, and then just <laughs> tell him stop. <laughs> Go you to the toilet. In fairness, I might be more inclined to drive an electric car if it sounded like a Tie Fighter. True, or a pod racer, or it was a thousand horsepower, or both. Yeah. <laughs> So another bit of news for this week then is the release specs are out for the new Mark 8R and I think as well it's actually going to be out on pre-order for a few days by the time this comes out. As much as I hate to say it, not a bad looking car. Yep. Yeah, it does look good. I think it'll look better in person now. I, the, the pictures I had seen of it were what was on the the white one that done the ring. Oh, I, I liked it in white. I didn't like that front bumper. It looked like something like a 2000s body kit the big open grills and that kind of thing to the point where I actually photoshopped it one night. I photoshopped the seven and a half hour bumper onto it and I showed it to Lee and was like, that's a far better looking car. Mm-hmm. And then lo and behold, the specs are out for it and the front bumper looks like a Mark seven and a half. And I was like, mm, should have been a designer, <laughs> but it, it's a good looking car. The same, same engine as the last one. Is it EA triple eight? Uh, it's um, yeah. boosted up to three twenty horsepower. And I think they've, I don't, they've modified the four-wheel drive system on it, and I'm not sure. I assume it's still a Halidax, but there's more power able to go to the rear. Yeah, and I read a, a small piece in this about the drift mode and That's the green right. hell mode. Drift mode. Lee was excited. <laughs> 50% of the torque to one rear wheel, so it can sort of do a bit of slady slady. Very nice. So, uh, yeah, appealing to that American market. It has to be, because didn't the Focus RS do the same? Yeah. So, no. It, and then they have green hell mode. I think that's sort of like the RS for the Nurburgring, yeah. yeah. So but that's, that's probably an overboost button or whatever you want to call it. Ah, it'll be something to get around emissions, probably. Three sixty mil brakes, nineteen inch wheels. The seats, I think, are class. The killer for me, still with those cars, is that you don't get a three door in them anymore. Yeah, it's such a pity. Like I, I was looking. I think it was probably at the start of the year towards a Mark Seven GTI performance pack. Yeah, uh, in white. If anybody knows any good ones. Um, <laughs> and hard to get three doors now. Yeah. Uh, now that's in a four-year-old car. And the, the drive is now five-door golfs. In today's health and safety focus world, I'm surprised that three doors lasted as long as they did. Simply because if you have an accident and the fr- two front driver or the driver and passenger gets killed, 
you can't get out of the back because you need them out of the way to fold the seats. But it always, I do prefer a three-door car, but I always wondered how it lasted so long and that. And then obviously it's getting to the point now where they're not. They prefer to have you with the door as such. But it's odd too because the seats, the seat models were always five doors in the likes of the Leon, which was the competitor to the Golf. And now they have went back to three-door. Mm-hmm instead of the five door but the golf is now five door it's strange obviously some sort of marketing technique for it but i'm sure volkswagen know what they're at well like (laughs) yeah they do rightly diesel (laughs) gates yeah i think you can spec that new r with the like an acropobic exhaust from factory as well which looks pretty cool my brother has a 2019 r and his was spec yeah very nice it's a he got it six months old, and it's like a two grand option. You, yeah, yeah. Would you pay it? No. Do you it's, want it? Yes. But then, if, you, if you're going in and you're specking, like, if you're able to put it onto the finance or something, well, my brother's car has every box ticked on the spec list, mm-hmm. and he, the boy that bought it new, took the hit. Oh yeah, he didn't take the hit on it. Like Mark didn't. Whoever's buying that there, they just went. Oh, that's only. A, They'll not look at it, that's two grand. They'll look at it, that's an extra 25 quid a month. Why, why would you not? You know. Yeah, well, that's a good way of looking at it. So, uh, yeah. Looking forward to seeing the press and the reviews the, the, of the reviews they are now. Yeah. I'm, that's like I said to Gethin during the week on Facebook. I have no doubt that it will be a good car. Mm-hmm. Like, it will do its job perfectly. It's just for me, the styling's a wee bit off on it. I still think it looks like a Renault McGann. Is there a manual? I don't know. Mm. Pass. Hopefully, hopefully the GTI will. Yeah, hopefully so. I'll probably never own one, so they're not cared about my opinion no, on it anyway. Me neither. What about you, Lee? The, other, the only other bit of news, it's not really newsy, but uh, I guess the recent news that the new James Bond film has been pushed back again. Ugh, it'll never come out. I love the James Bond, Daniel Craig films. Yeah, and the cars and stuff. So I was reading a wee bit into the latest film, so I've seen the trailers and stuff with the DB5, and uh was reading a bit into the background of those, so... They're not actually DB5s because I think they're like millions of pounds and they don't really want to be raking around and wrecking them. But they are a fully like Aston Martin approved photo scanned replica made of carbon fibre, the shell. And the underpinnings is an E46 M3. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so, so that's why they are in the trailers and stuff. You see him like drifting around and stuff. It's because he's basically driving it's an E46. An E46. <laughs> I, th- I think Aston Martin actually have a factory. The reproduce. Or a workshop at the factory that's basically the James Bond division. Oh, really? Oh, I th- I think cool. It's either at the factory or at the Pinewood Studios. But it is affiliated with Aston uh, Martin. Yeah. yeah, I suppose that Aston Martin has been linked with James Bond for so long now that it's like, it's probably hard to separate the two for people. That's pretty cool. But yeah, carbon fiber shell of one makes sense. Yeah. Like even the cost of an E46 M3 and to do all that is probably still a tenth of what them cars are actually worth. Oh, for sure. So, Wonder do they have to reinforce the disc? <laughs> the other back floor. <laughs> <laughs> um, Talked about that in the previous episode with Pete. <laughs> that's right, yeah. Floors tearing out of them. Yeah. Uh, my last bit of news then is... Our friend and listener, Dennis, FF Metalworks, he has teamed up with Icon Cars in California. Do you know who that is? No. So Icon Cars are Jonathan Ward, you call the guy, and they take like older style vehicles. These are 50s, 60s type pickup trucks, cars, and retrofit them with all modern stuff. So you're talking like 
independent suspension all around, modern V8s, um, Apple CarPlay, but everything's hidden inside it. Mm-hmm. So the guy, Jonathan, he posted a video up there recently of one of the trucks they did, and they, kept, they wanted to put electric windows in it, but they wanted to keep the look original. So they got the, like the window handle for winding it, and it only moves like an eighth of a turn each way. But as you push it down, that eighth of a turn, that rolls the window down. Yeah, like that's the switch. Class. So, I think that's so cool. So Dennis has actually got on board with them and they're going to be making like high-end bespoke custom furniture with a kind of like design automotive type theme to it. So that's pretty cool. I thought it was uh, an interesting We touch. Well done, um, Dennis. Yeah, so that and if that leads on to doing stuff for the cars as well, it's fantastic. It'll be great. Good to see Dennis doing well. Exactly. Yep, good stuff. Anything else there? I have two more things. Uh, first one briefly is Shell announced this week, I think it was, their drive of Project Evelyn, strange name, but it's basically the rolling out or the expansion of their EV service, sta- you wouldn't call them petrol stations, yeah, it's charging a- stations. Um, yeah, so it's Project Evelyn and uh, it's running alongside with the basic removal of petrol from our, our roads, basically. So by the end of 2021, there'll be 550 kilowatt rapid charge stations and 10 350 kilowatt super charge stations is this so, shell taking on the adage of if you can't beat them join them yeah so in their brief statement they were basically saying well not brief statement their small statement i seen um was basically service station won't be solely focused on charging it'll be more of holding up my air quotes here an experience oh where you, you were going to say an experience <laughs> where you can shop and relax so basically they're saying, yeah, charging sucks, but we're going to suck more money out of you. Yeah, that's going to happen. You know, if you have to if you have to charge for half an hour, even 20 minutes, you're going to do something. Like, but then te- the Tesla stations in America, the barista coffee shops. Yeah. You know, so they, they I think a Tesla is about 30 minutes to charge, something like okay, that. Okay, right. So uh, I was listening to somebody talking about the whole electric thing and all the rest of it, and everybody's obsessed with the range. Yeah. But it was Top Gear, they done the wee Honda E car. That's right, with the round and, headlights. And it only has a range of 120. Okay. And it's something like 99% of journeys are no longer than 40 miles or 30 miles. Or I okay, the I, so it fits perfectly so within this, that. this obsession with this massive range, in Britain at least, mm-hmm. doesn't really... Yeah, because the likes of what Lee does for mileage for work isn't the norm. No. And for most people who only travel in and out of the city or, you know, like you kind of, your commute's what, six miles? Yeah, that would be it's perfect. It's not, you know, yeah. it's not a big thing. The only problem I can see is like, there's a lot of people there and they don't have the luxury of a garage or whatever. Because you see people charging their cars in London there and cords coming out of their houses on the street. Yeah, yeah. it's like if you live in a the six story flat yeah what are you supposed to do run the extension lead down I wonder like mobile phones you know they have charging pads uh-huh. on street yeah like induction charging that kind of thing that'll be a disaster because there's stuff that's already under the road so if you wanted to go replace like a sewer line or something like that you're going to have to dig through all the induction stuff that's, and from previous experience of working on that kind of thing the stuff that is in the road is mental already yeah really what you want to do is move a ring into the verge and then leave that for induction charging. But at the same time, then you can't do that in a city. If you put it in the footpath, you're going to turn up the footpath. Where do people walk? It's easier to do the road because at least you can direct them onto the other side of the, tra- the traffic. It's just so messy. Yeah. It's, I don't think there's an easy solution for any of it. Yeah. So that's us 
That's Shell's plans for the next while. Lovely. So we'll have more E stations, basically. Watch out for them. Yeah, so you'll probably see that in about 40 years in Northern Ireland, basically. Yeah. <laughs> M200 stations are basically around London, I'm sure. Um, probably. <laughs> My problem with that is, I stop at a lot of those service stations on the motorways and stuff, as you might expect. Everything in them is so fucking expensive. Yeah. Like, it's like two quid for a Twix. Yeah. And I'm like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. Eng- it England's worse. It, yeah. It used to be service stations when they had Shell service station their yeah. excuse was we're open late when all our shops shut that's why it's so expensive to pay for, for when, staff yeah yeah, you've staff but there they, when they nobody's in they don't have in. that excuse anymore now it's just greed it yeah. is and realistically what you have is one member of staff at a, a window yeah. you know so you're not having a full team of staff in like it doesn't make sense as you say all than greed Moving it's when on you're the, out sorry. there in, on the motorway or in the middle of nowhere, there there is nowhere else. So if you want a bottle of Coke or whatever, that's it. your only option is pay three quid for it or don't buy it. Yeah. So last sort of, it's sort of YouTube rather than news. And it was the fantastic interview of Chris Harris with uh, Johnny Smith on his YouTube channel, The Late Break Show. Um, not, I said before, I'm not the biggest fan of Johnny Smith. He's Johnny Smith's ex fifth gear, I think. Ex fifth gear and ex Max Power, I think as well. Yeah, yeah, Max Power or Revs magazine. You can take him or leave him. I I think, but this interview was particularly good. It was with Chris Harris, and it was at his lockup stroke house. Uh, the shot in various places, but Chris Harris. It was two part interview on YouTube, and I think it's an hour in total. Basically, it was two half hour breaks, and it was talking to him. It's very very interesting. To see the side of Chris Harris, he's quite a very private person, and it's the first proper face-to-face interview I think Harris has done talking about himself. Uh huh. Um, and he admits shying away from the whole celebrity thing. I think he doesn't do social media too much or okay, something. Right. He does have an Instagram, but I don't he's think not he has, very prominent on it. Yeah, keeps his family sheltered away from the limelight. Doesn't like to create a fuss and all the rest of it. He showed us briefly around a few of his cars and the E28 M5. I think it's an E28 M5. Okay, yeah. Has. That's the very first of the M5s, isn't it? He loves it, um, drives it. And his daily drivers, the 911, bright yellow one, the dog's in it. The dog's in the 911. The dog bed's in it. The dog lies in the back. He was <laughs> talking about how the dog was eating the gear, hand, the handbrake cable, he was eating the shelf while he was being interviewed. And he basically describes a bit of metal. I don't care. You He's know. happy enough. Um, goes through all our cars he has two or five rallies and yeah it's, it's nothing flashy flashy in the collections as you'd imagine with Chris Harris it's all about the driving experience and yep. he has cars that he loves now he has a couple of two CVs and stuff like that there but who could love those yeah also interesting point on it was him talking about his career like I've I've followed Chris Harris through when he used to do YouTube you know the drive stuff and all the you know drive with Chris Harris uh-huh. um, starting out starting out in auto uh, I think it was auto car magazine he started out I think he knew Johnny Smith back then I think they worked in the same I suppose the likes of the modern like that journalism everyone's bound to know everyone yeah. so and then he he got on to the whole issue of Top Gear and he was describing, describing how difficult he was for him replacing Clarkson etc working with Chris Evans and it became abundantly clear that he wasn't talking to Chris Evans anymore um Oh right, that's not yeah, the but he's still, he's still best friends with Matt LeBlanc and he described Matt LeBlanc as a true car guy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, watch it. Very, very interesting. Uh, it's a new appreciation for Chris Harris after watching it. As you said, even though you're a big fan of him, it opened your eyes to him yeah. as well. Like. 
So, yeah. Nice one. Check it out if you can. Cool. On the topic then you're saying about YouTube, have you anything for us this week? That was it. That was it. I have. <laughs> there we go. I have uh, I have two, just briefly here. The first one is, if you search on YouTube for Christian Smith, or on Instagram, he's Mark3Smith. is a guy from Florida who's now living in Germany with his wife. Um, I believe they're there for work, but he's bought a few cars. Obviously, the likes of the V5s and things they got in 4Motion stuff that they don't really get in the States. So he's building a V5 Mark III. It's pretty cool for him, you'd imagine, because the novelty of not getting that engine is something a bit different. But he just kind of goes into depth of like stripping the Mark III, rebuilding the engine, painting the things on it, and just. But it's just an interesting build to watch, and it's a really nice car he's building. Is he an army out there or something? I like? think the wife's military. I don't think he is. Uh, is that the same guy that has the R32 and the. I think his wife has a silver R32. He had a. Like a greeny turquoise. He's a young fella. He is, yeah. Uh, uh, Vento uh, or Jetta. Uh, that is, uh, that is yeah. the same guy. I am thinking of. Sorry. Yeah, check that out. It's definitely, it's definitely a good watch. I watched a few there on Friday evening, I think it was. I think I caught one of his episodes about two months ago. He, he goes to a local scrapyard and pulls out a, an engine. That's right, yeah. Probably for the V5, was it? Uh, yeah. So, no, as I say, the novelty of that for him must be great to sort of get hooking through. You haven't seen all these things that are available in Europe and not getting to play with them. And then more locally is a guy called Stephen Harper and Stephen with a V if you want to check him out on Instagram. This is the guy I was telling you and Lee about with the Corrado from the south. So he does a lot of work on the Corrado and this isn't as traditionally like your showy type Instagram or sorry YouTube stuff where it's like flashy and shouting at the screen. He's just coming on and these are the facts and this is what I'm doing. His most recent video there he converted like a like a Digifizz dash but a Vauxhall version to run in the Corrado. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's from a Cadet or a Manta. Um, Could be from Carlton. No, it wasn't the Carlton one because I was looking at them afterwards. Um, Carlton's like a like a rounded uh, rev counter. But he like he converts it to run into a B4 Passat housing and then into the Corrado and tells you how he's wired it up and really, really in-depth stuff. And it's uh, nothing flashy, nothing roaring and going, Hi, I'm Steven. You know, he's just straight to the point with it one thing i did notice as well throughout his videos is there's a lot of farming stuff too so if you're into like i'm in f- if you're into <laughs> fencing or like bailing that sort of thing this is your guy from too. South, is he's it? from south yeah really really switched on guy and like um the crado detail stuff he goes into is great so i say if you have a crado at all or even just a general want for learning stuff check him out for sure i must check him out yeah so that's us with the news and youtubes um if we're all done then, do you want to move on to our main topic? Let's crack yeah. on. So this is a topic I've researched and you guys know absolutely nothing about. No, What's I don't it? even know what it is. We'll learn together, shall we say. Cool. So it's definitely a strange one. So we'll kick it off. The 1960s, Beatlemania, the historic rise of the mini, the Kennedy assassination, Ali versus Liston. Many things define the 60s for different people, but the space race captured the imagination of children and adults alike. The Soviets and Americans battled for many firsts during the space race, and with all things space came rockets, jets, and all their technology. Rockets influenced everything, with car design being most prominent. So cars evolved from large, round, bloated designs in the 50s to sleek, lightweight designs in the 60s with pointed front ends and plenty of fins out back, especially with the concept cars. Car manufacturers even latched onto this with the release of the Oldsmobile Jetfire, using its name for the jet and Chrysler even going that bit further to produce the Chrysler turbine car which is actually a powered solely by a turbine which revved to 36,000 rpm so <laughs> it's a it's an interesting one if you 
want to check it out definitely google it it was an early ancestor of VTech, wasn't it it's a strange one it runs on everything like they poured perfume i think they gave it to some diplomat who ran it on perfume a i think they give it to the mexican president or something and he ran it on tequila as well there you go because oh, nice. it, it's a jedi will literally burn anything so the 60s also availed have been a time when health and safety hadn't got their claws into everything yet smoking was still healthy seatbelts and helmets were for pussies and drink driving was only just starting to be looked at as being a problem so one of the upsides of this lack of health and safety was that experimental design was high on the agenda and with a less claim happy culture manufacturers could push the limits on things so what happens when you're in a decade obsessed with all things rockets and jets and all you want to do is go fast you contact a company called turbonique founded in 1962 by clarence eugene middlebrooks jr in orlando florida Turbonique was a real-life version of the Looney Tunes-based Acme Corporation selling crazy <laughs> mail-order products to the wily coyotes of the drag racing world. Now, we have actually a number of listeners in Florida, and it's a state that's known for somewhat crazy ways and people. Florida and man. Florida man, indeed. <laughs> Shout out to Cletus. <laughs> old Gene certainly lived up to the Florida stereotype. With a degree in mechanical engineering behind him, he cut his teeth in projects for aerospace companies on propulsion systems for ballistics missiles a good start while he may have been inspired by the likes of the failed chrysler turbine car he had no desire to run a car solely on rocket propulsion at first no he wanted to create the missing link between traditional internal combustion engines and rocket technology although up until that point i don't think anybody beyond gene middlebrooks thought there was a missing link between the two things so as we'll learn turbonique's approach to experimentation extended beyond design and well into customer safety or lack of Powering all this magic behind the products was a mysterious liquid they branded as thermaline. This was simply rocket fuel, in this case a monopropellant from the isopropylene nitrate family. So a monopropellant doesn't require the presence of atmospheric oxygen to be combustible, hence why it's using rockets going into space. But some of the most fun features of this liquid are that it burns with an invisible flame and it would catch fire if it came into contact with steel or water. So good stuff for the home user. <laughs> Things could be on fire and you wouldn't even know. Like Ricky Bobby and the Invisible Fire. <laughs> so, <laughs> the first of Turbonique's products was simply called the Auxiliary Power Unit, or AP for short, and its name was about all that was simple. The principle of the unit was close to that of a supercharger, except rather than running a belt from the crank to the unit, it was injected with thermaline fuel and the gases produced from burning it drove the small jet turbine engine with forced air into the cylinders. This all happened at the press of a switch, meaning zero drag loss from a belt setup, and was advertised as being able to cram enough air into most V8 cars of the time to double their horsepower. So they had a Chevy test mule that went from 405 horsepower to 835. (laughs) Quite the charger. So there you are, cruising the strip, your jet turbine under the bonnet, your king of the world, and some guy somehow manages to gap you at a set of traffic lights. But you're the king, how does this happen? But you know you're not going to let it happen again, but how? So you ring up Turbonique again and say, what can best, a jet engine under the bonnet? And the response simply is, have you considered fitting a jet turbine to your rear axle? So <laughs> Obvious, really. And where else would you put it? This might seem like a ludicrous idea, but surely the AP unit... This seemed- fella would do really well in Markerfeld. He would. There's a lot of culture engineering in this. This is definitely... Like when you said about Wiley Coyote, I'm just picturing him with the fucking rocket pack. <laughs> Heading after Roadrunner. I seen this week, it was, I think it was Newton Abbey Council putting up a picture during present times of this fellow with the legal tents. 
Oh, yes. I saw that, yeah. And I was just sitting there going, priorities. Priorities indeed. And then after you said that there, I could just see this in Margaret Felt, as I said, and you know the way they pull them in the MOT centres? And there's a jet and engine. putting up a Facebook post going, look at this guy, run the jet engine. <laughs> the police would love it. <laughs> Forget the spring land on the floor after it could put it up on the ramp. Look at this jet engine. Oh, it'd be nuts. So this might seem like a ludicrous idea, but surely the AP unit seems a bit ludicrous too. So if you've got this far, you'll likely stick with us. The Turbonique drag axle, as it was called, was next on the list. Picture a thermaline-powered jet turbine attached to your back axle with a direct drive through the rear diff through a Borg Warner one-way clutch that offered 1,300 horsepower on top of what your car's already providing. <laughs> Put it in a Mustang immediately. So <laughs> this works separately from your engine. Different driveline. It's running straight onto the diff. So whatever your car is already producing, this then is alongside it. It's It doesn't increase it. Like it doesn't take away from if you have 400 horsepower. This brings up to 13. If you have 400 horsepower, this adds 1,300. It's nuts. <laughs> Just madness. That's mental. So the key to this was putting all the power directly through the rear diff. So manual drivetrain losses, but obviously your diff is under a lot of pressure. So there's probably a few exploding diffs on the, dra- the drag strip. Well, they're up, sir. Exactly. That's more the housings I'd be worried about. <laughs> so the drag axle was mainly intended for drag racing, hence the name. And similar to the auxiliary power unit, it ran from an on-off switch controlled by the driver. So flipping the switch gave instant boost and it said that wheel spin and theatrics were the norm for any racer in the strip with the power being hard to control. Dan- so, danger to manifold. Pretty that much. sounds like the NOS button in Fast and the Furious, <laughs> does, as I was going to say. <laughs> so all this could be had for the princely sum of $4,695, which in today's money is just over $40,000 or £31,000. So as the old saying goes, you got to pay to play. Just in comparison, I think a turbo conversion for a Gallardo is 100k plus at the minute in oh, West Coast. that's not too bad then. So is it a bargain? Bargain. Well, certain death for 40 grand. i give you a, a bit of context in this. And How did he pa- die? His diff went through the back of his spine <laughs> and the diff exploded. It probably could happen. Um, to give some further context, an Impala SS in 1964 was just $3,000. So it was two thirds of the cost of the drag axle itself. So it's it's a lot of money to put into it. But can you really put a price on 1,300 horsepower? Apparently so. Um, you sound like an advert for Lund's diamond engagement rings there. Get her done. Can you really put a price on <laughs> these things? Well, that's what you have to say. Like it's horsepower. True love, priceless. Horsepower, priceless. You know what's better than true love? 1,300 horsepower. Thought you were going to go dirty there, man. So that's... <laughs> So people used to laugh at Mad Max when they said about the superchargers with the switch on them. Maybe this is what they were they were running. Yeah. Per mail. So one of the most infamous cars to compete using the drag axle was a 1955 Volkswagen Beetle named the Black Widow. It was able to run. And <laughs> I wonder why. Oh, you wonder. It was able to run. the Beetle didn't fucking launch into space. <laughs> staring at a me- model of a Beetle here. We'll get there, Lee. Okay. Don't worry. So... We're able to run a 9.36 second quarter mile with a terminal speed of 168 miles an hour. It's 270 kilometers an hour for our southern friends. And a Beetle. That's That's crazy. Mental. So remember this car was 1965 with an engine. The engine's still in it that has 36 horsepower. Useful. Yep. So those are (laughs) impressive times, even considering much more advanced cars today. So we mentioned earlier, jet engines are usually designed to create flight. And the little jet engine strapped to the back axle of the Black Widow Beetle decided to fulfill its destiny. Oh, brilliant. So it got the car airborne at 183 miles an hour, just under 300 kilometers an hour, 
on one of his runs and caused it to crash. Surprisingly, the driver survived unscathed, and Turbo Neek naturally jumped on it as a publicity opportunity. So their next advert that went out was a picture of the smashed up Beetle with the driver, Roy Drew, standing next to it. The caption below simply said, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I can see Audi copying that advert. Exactly. <laughs> so, fun fact actually in this, the Beetle, that Beetle was the quickest Beetle in the world until very recently, till 2016, when Volkswagen brought a Beetle to the Bonneville Salt Flats and beat it. So from... What engine they're on? I don't even know. Don't I'm not sure. I couldn't find many specs on it. But that was the quickest Beetle from then to now, pretty much. Boys done good back then. They did indeed. Well, here, considering what they've done, you wouldn't like to be competing with it. <laughs> so with all this positivity, you're bound to be wondering, what about the negatives? And considering 60 years later, we're not running around with rocket-powered cars, you'd be right to wonder. The fact you have to regularly fill up and buy the thermaline was vastly overshadowed by a little setback in the form of when you let off the throttle and got back onto the throttle again, the device turned into a bomb. That's quite a hitch. It is. It's just a little setback. So this was due to unburned fuel. I was say, is it like a backfire? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Unburned fuel, except you're having a backfire with rocket fuel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the unburned fuel pools in the combustion chamber and then explodes in reignition. And this led to a number of injuries and deaths. And eventually the NHRA banned them from racing completely. So Ooh. Exactly. <laughs> Jobs worth. So this stage, you'd be thinking, the only thing that can top this is actually adding rockets to the cars. And that's exactly what their final option was. A range of what were called micro-turbo thrust engines were available, with the smallest of the range producing 300 horsepower. Although not officially sold for automotive use, this didn't mean that people didn't strap them to everything, including cars, boats, motorcycles, and even go-karts. It's like where you file off the bit where it says not for road use. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is sort of 4D number plates. <laughs> could you mind 1960s Connor? I would have one of these. I can see nothing wrong with this. Nope, not at all. So Captain Jack McClure was one such man. He strapped two of the smaller T-16 rockets to a go-kart, which pushed out over 600 horsepower. It seems sensible enough. So I, I'll put the photos of this on the Instagram stories as always, but when you look at it, this isn't like an engine go-kart that you see now that looks kind of robust and you sit down into it and everything surrounds you. This looks like a flat plate, essentially, with four wheels in each corner, and the seat looks like something you would have sat on with the plastic seats in primary school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that kind just of thing. stuck on the top. Yeah, with two rockets at the back of it. <laughs> it is... <laughs> It's an absolute death machine, this thing. So, Gene Middlebrook... It sounds like an episode of Jackass. It's re- yeah, it's like, where does this guy get these <laughs> ideas from? But obviously Florida. So, it's <laughs> so, Gene Middlebrooks, he was there for the fitting of the thrust engines to the cart. And upon first startup, there was a small fire. <laughs> Middlebrook- small fire, 10 people were killed. <laughs> and then they... <laughs> Mid- Middlebrooks was nowhere to be found during the incident. And shortly after, he was found hiding behind a nearby train carriage. When questioned on why he was hiding, his response was, because I have a wife and two kids. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a man with total faith in his product. Yeah. Uh, once the bugs were finally ironed out, the cart set a blistering pace of 7.3 second quarter mile at over 150 mile an hour. That on is a cart. crazy. Yeah, no aerodynamics, nothing. The beauty of the thrust engines also was that you don't have to worry about traction off the line because it's not actually turning the wheels. It's the thrust pushing you along. Evil Knievel was said to have planned to use the rockets as well to jump his bike across the Grand Canyon. But unfortunately, the age-old adage of live fast, die young was fitting for Turbo Nike. 
the Daffy did live fast and unsurprisingly, a company which sold mail order rocket propulsion parts and rocket fuel directly to home users ran into trouble. You'd wonder, wouldn't you? How could it go wrong? But it wasn't the obvious that got them in the end. Gene was eventually jailed in 1968 for fraud as he was advertising his pieces as being readily available to use when they actually needed assembly and some required expensive refinishing. So if you're spending that kind of money, 40 grand in today's money, you probably want the thing to be right. Yeah, you want it to be plug and play. Yeah. So he was selling like Kia rockets. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but when you consider it as a rocket, it's hardly plug and play. <laughs> After various appeals through the courts, the company finally folded in 1972, and that was the end of Turbonique after just a decade. So things didn't go too well for old Gene in the end, but as I say, it was live fast, die young. That's unbelievable. So I don't even know where I found this story, but it was classy. but it's funny. It's so good. I think I was looking up before about mad drag racing like um, modifications and things people had did, and this was just, it had to be focused on because it was like, this just can't be topped. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> So that was the end of old Turbo Nike. That was great. So do you think you'll be getting one for either of your two VR6 Corrados anytime soon? I think I'll pass. There was... I'd give it a go. Like, <laughs> Well, there was people talking about these on the forums. And in Canada, one came up for sale. And I think it was one of the carts that was built. Mm-hmm. And the guy ran it, but it didn't run very well. It was... Um, I think they were kind of afraid of it. And they were trying to hold it back a bit. And the thing didn't really perform that well. And they basically put it in the museum. And that was the end of it. But I can't imagine there's too many people would risk running one nowadays. Especially considering the cars that the likes of the turbo axle would fit would be classics now that, you know, are harder yeah. got or worth more money. Hopefully you enjoyed that. It was a bit of fun. That was, was awesome. research on that one. It sort of reminded me a wee bit of uh, Cletus McFarland. He started to bring a, build a jet engine, El Camino. Right. It was the end of last year. He bought an El Camino pickup. And he's putting a jet in the back of it. He's putting a jet in the back of it. And it was through a local jet engine, jet racing, Uh drag racing That'd be fun. But I think they had two deaths on the track towards the end of the year. And then he basically came out and he says, "Uh, you've been wondering why the build hasn't been progressing and all. And basically... Two guys got killed. Yeah, we've made the decision that racing should be fun, but... This, this is remove a bit of death out of this yeah um, this is something that hasn't been done before and this car could be capable of 200 I forget what speeds it'd be capable that's of that's ridiculous yeah um, so I think they ditched the jet engine and I think he's just going for some sort of V8 again or something yeah that would make more sense but uh, I remember a bit of that. about 15 years ago maybe um, there's a Santa Pod used to run a, a motorbike weekend called Straightliners we used to get a lot of like drag racing things at it there was a guy who had a, do you remember it, Lee, the jet engine trike? Yeah. The guy had a trike and he had a jet engine on the back of it. I think I came down a skill and drag day it years ago. It might have had, yeah. And yeah. it was more for displays and things. It mm-hmm. got like blown big flames and it did a few passes, but it, I doubt it was, considering the size of the jet on the back of it, I doubt it was ever pushed its full capacity. Like, mm-hmm. But imagine just holding on to that thing, the thrust of it. The sensation must be absolutely unreal. Yeah. And thinking to yourself, please don't take off. Yeah. <laughs> like, like that, Beetle. <laughs> oh, dear. That was cool. Thanks, Connor. No worries. Before we move on to the listener questions, I'd like to take a second to talk about our sponsor, Reload Global. Reload Global are an enthusiast-owned company providing you with not only premium automotive apparel, but accessories such as garage banners, posters, stickers, and much more. They're Northern Ireland-based and are official stockets for 8380 Labs in the UK and Europe. As Nigel mentioned earlier this week, they're launching the new Audi S1 Quattro Night Drive hoodies, 
t-shirts, banners, along with Reload branded beanies and sweatshirts. So check them out at reload.global. So just to finish up for the day then, we'll move on to the listener questions. Nigel, do you want to run us through them? Yeah, uh, lots of questions this week and there's some really good questions. I hope we can do them justice. Um, so the first one is thanks again for sending the questions in still unbelievable people listen to us really isn't it? yeah well we got a break the last time <laughs> that's true we didn't have the questions the last episode so the first one's from Connor Old shout out to Connor and he says worst and best sounding engines ever made production or race car Lee and I are going to agree on the worst yeah I think we are what is it Lexus IS 200 the worst sounding six cylinder I've ever heard it's not the worst oh, engine, it is. though. Oh, it's close. I think a three-cylinder Corsa is hard to... I had a three-cylinder Corsa, and I would rather listen to that car <laughs> than... <laughs> I chased so many problems in that car, thinking there was a, a problem with the engine, and it turns out that's just how the sound. <laughs> <laughs> worst engine... Uh, yeah, I would... <laughs> a few friends when I was younger and they had three-cylinder Corsa, and they just sounded Geek. awful. So, uh, um, the best for me is going to be one of the obvious, is the... D- no. Go on, say it. Don't say R32. VR6. So you think a six-cylinder sounds better than a V8? Yes. You do? I prefer the sound of it. Think for me. For I, me? For me. <laughs> the the V8s, because I don't know them overly well, are kind of generic to me, where the likes of the... Like, I can distinguish between a 12-valve VR6, a 24-valve, an R32, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But they're definitely one of my favourite sounding. That, or on the race car side of things, the BTCC cars... So you mm-hmm. hear those things in person? My God, it's, I said to Lee earlier, we went a few years ago to Knock Hill. That sound will never leave me. I'll never forget what that sounds like. I think F1 cars from the 80s and 90s on pipe, there's nothing can be better than them. See, I'd like to hear those in person because on the TV, they just sound like a whine to me. I was in Belfast for the first Red Bull. Yes, so you have then. And it's just unreal. Nothing comes close. That's how I was with the BTCC stuff. Production car-wise... Could you say production? I love Richard Bradley's the S14 S14 with the Skyline engine. That sounds good. Unreal. Uh, A 2J tuned. I think it's just unreal. The sound sound real full or something like that. It's a sound that a four cylinder doesn't give you. That's one thing. RS6 decal as well. Just sounds like thunder. V8 twin turbo. Yeah, there's a lot of goods in there. That's a tricky one. (laughs) I couldn't really nail it down it is hard it's so many I had a C5 RS6 and it was a Miltec exhaust and all and it just sounded like rolling thunder so it, I think sometimes a lot of it depends on the exhaust too oh definitely yeah. you can make a nice sounding car sound shit a certain Mark 7R jumps to mind there yeah or you know you can make an average car sound much better with an exhaust so it depends an E46 CSL with carbon intake and the right exhaust sounds perfect Unreal sound. Yet there's other E46 M3s that I've heard. The sound horrendous. Yeah, real raspy. Yeah, I think naturally they are a bit raspy. Yeah, and certain exhausts accentuate that as opposed to trying to tone it down a bit. Good Mercedes AMG V8. Oh yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say an AMG V8. Yeah, there was one. I think who was it? It must have been back in the days of normal Top Gear when it was still Top Gear. Did they go to America? I'm sure it was an American racetrack and Clarkson had some ridiculous Mercedes. I don't Is this even the one know what he kept doing the burnouts in and blowing the tires off? Yes. It was one of the Merc um, SLs, was it? Yeah. It was a huge big thing, whatever yeah. it was. It sounded pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. No, there's a lot of good stuff out there. So in conclusion, 
We don't know. Everything. We don't know anything. <laughs> We're burning it up and out. Uh, lots of nice stuff, but we don't like Lexuses. No. Lexi. Lexi. <laughs> Thanks, Connor. Thanks. Mark Hill, who was shooting the new... The Reload range for you guys. Uh, Wednesday passed. He was up at Andy's workshops, and he says, any car out of Andy Maxwell's collection... I have two to pick from. Will be okay. the red G sixty, sorry, red G forty Polo, or the black Mark II Polo Coupe S. I I love that thing. It's so cool. That was Andy's first stunts car. That's right. I think it was his first and his last. He ruined that car and then he redeemed himself. <laughs> um, the Quattro, the white one. It's my favorite. I think once it's done and tuned. I've got a th- serious thing for the Audi 100 Estate. I would, I, the, my first thought That's was gonna be so that cool. when you see it on the ramp and it's huge. Yeah, it's massive. But then I remember the Quattro and I, I love it. Yeah, I've, I actually drove it for his wedding. Great, great driving car. Good old dog. Between them two for me, yeah. Audi engineering. I'm Polo fanboy at heart, at heart. Yeah, so moving on. Next question is from Thomas C1. If you could drive only one car for the rest of your life, what would it be? With any budget, within any budget. My old Nova, the 1.2 carb. You want it back? I want it back. Right. It's just... You work driving down to Cork. You yep. go drive a Nova all the way down if to Cork. If it was between that and never have a Nova ever again, yeah, I'd drive it okay. to Cork. Yeah. They used to daily drive a Nova, like Craigavon to Belfast, pretty much every day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, no problem at all. And I'm talking like... Less than I 10 mean, it years might ago. take you a while to get there, but I'm yeah. talking less than 10 years ago because I used to get messages saying, I seen your girlfriend on the motorway the day, and I was like, Yep, it's like, How's she driving over? I'm like, I don't know, feet, hard hands, fuck. yeah, <laughs> no power steering, <laughs> love and life. <laughs> what would you, Nigel? I think I would have to stay in the Audi camp, and it would have to be a, an older RS car. I think just nice, naturally aspirated, daily hacker, yeah, that's something you and it's still comfortable, but it's still fun. It's an engaging drive still. Yeah. I, I, my first thoughts were an RS6 of some description, but I think you're removed a bit with the more modern RS6 from the driving experience. You said that before as well, yeah, that the, the RS6 wasn't, like it was fun on a motorway, but when you get into a back road, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't as fun. It was like a, a static caravan with rockets attached. I was going to say, <laughs> they're, they're too big. Gene Middlebrooks has been at it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like me and the Zupara, but the minute it's like, it's not fun for hammering around back roads because it's oh, too it's, big and wallowy. And don't get me wrong, it's glorious when you can't be arsed and you just oh yeah, it takes you a hundred miles. You don't feel it. Yeah, but if you want to enjoy driving, you need something like that. Like at A four, the daily driver A four, it's great to just go in and drive somewhere and not be much of an effort. But I find myself jumping into the Edition thirty because I want to go out and engage. You want to actually drive? Yeah, yeah. So no, that's true. Um, for me, obviously, Mark III. Going to have to stick with my, my old faithful. Because much likely, if I couldn't drive a Mark III, I wouldn't want to drive anything else. So, yeah. Plus, they're fairly modern. They're all right. Right. So, moving on then. Uh, message or a question. Or it's just a statement, actually. Uh, from Kirk Pat Cars. Kirsten, you want to buy an Audi? No. Andy might. I'll always buy an Audi. <laughs> Depends what it is. <laughs> well, that nice white one that you have in the workshop, Kirsten, I'll buy that, don't worry. I would buy the Audi 50 over. Yeah, yeah. yeah I love it. <laughs> Any quattros going? <laughs> they have quite a few. Have a few yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> quite an expansive collection, from what I see. Um, next question from VW Dunner underscore DB Dailies. Other than the spanner slip, do you ever name your cars? His caddy is Elnor, as I never get the driver. Yes. 
all of our cars are named. Yeah. With the exception of the Bora. It's the only one that I haven't actually named. I haven't named the Superb other than the Sepoib. And I didn't Sepoib. name the Sirocco because I was trying not to get attached to it. And you saw how well that went. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you may as well have named it. Yeah. Um, do you name your cars? No. no. I do. I've I, named. I don't. Uh, <laughs> I just don't. I have. I think it's a part to do with. The turnover. The fellow, to, the fellow used to knock about with years ago named every single car really crap names and annoyed me. All right. No, <laughs> I, all of my cars have names and it's not like a random like Betsy type thing and it has to come to you. You have to be driving it someday and you go, this is this car's name. So there we go. Yeah, I have that. That's how too. you do it. Tell us some of them. Oh, um. Jeffrey, Bert. No, the, the Mark Three, the green Mark Three is Otis. Um, Why is it Otis? Because the number plate starts with AZ, and I was like, oh, it's like Aardvark. And then you had Otis the Aardvark, so you got Otis. Wow, that's a rich. It is. <laughs> uh, the white mark to it I had was Calvin, and I was glad to see that Robin from Studio 10 named his child after my mark too. So, like that. Um, <laughs> uh, my polo was Toby. I don't know why Toby. Okay, next question from Ronan underscore H21. Mr. Ronan Hickey, who is nearing completion of his turbocharged r32 build that's right yeah mark into the mark ii i've seen that running so, it's pretty sweet yeah every week or two there's just a massive step a massive step i like it uh, Wish I, I was doing the same he's taken for mobinson i think i seen it i think he's went standalone on as well yeah um so he says ever have experience with water meth i haven't but i know those that have and it's supposed to be very good again much like the thermaline in our story today would i remember to top it up probably not that's the only issue I have with it. But I mean, if it's working for him with the temperatures, that's... I would definitely be doing it. Ronan isn't taking any prisoners, it looks like, anyway. So that's maybe a hint towards what he's got planned. No, I, I would say that's what he's at. Uh, he sent he sent another question. What's the weirdest country you've ever seen a maiden label? Once had nicks from Vietnam. I think the weirdest ones to see is the likes of... Um, like made in Northern Ireland because nothing's made here anymore. Uh, right enough. That's the strange one. Like as I said to Lee, you see like made in Cambodia. And you're like, well, you kind of expect that to be a sweatshop. So, I think the weirdest one I ever seen was glasses in IKEA made in Russia. Ah, uh, yeah, you don't and really then see. There was something about one time and it was made in Honduras. I don't even uh, know where Honduras is. I think it's South America, South America somewhere. Right. Um, you, you kind of imagine that most things in Russia stay in Russia, apart from vodka. Anywhere, Lee? Not that I can think of. I don't think it's something I necessarily pay that much attention to. I probably should. There you go. There's a geography lesson for this week. <laughs> Honduras. <laughs> Next question. That dot silver dot wagon. That's Aaron Kelly, is it? It is indeed, yeah. yeah. When you buy a new car, what's the first thing you have to do, regardless of price, etc.? For me, it's always been lower. Suspension. Good suspension. Yeah. Last couple of cars, the, one of the first things I've done has been take them to robin to get them ceramic coated yeah that's that's for a practical reason though as yeah. well yeah for the miles that you're doing i think i had springs bought for the a4 half an hour after driving away from buying it i think i've said before <laughs> i've never owned a car with standard suspension on it. like I've, all my cars have been lowered uh next question then from gethin underscore gtni the id3 has the edge on looks with the mark 8 gti discuss false he's trying to trigger me here but I do agree with 
So the ID threes and the Mark Eight GTIs have started landing on the green shores. As our man of the docks sent us. Yes, the photos. Matty Donnan sent us photos, and I think Gatham was in with VW Phillips and Lisburn and sent us few through a few photos. Yeah. Do you know what kills me about the the Mark Eight GTI? It's those stupid grills with the oval mesh, and then they put the oval lights inside the mesh. Ah, uh, it's not. It's not subtle. What kills me is the crap wheels are coming on. That's been like that for Volkswagen for years now. <sighs> Audis are the same, going the same way. They're just such bland dishwatery wheels they're putting yeah, on them. They look like something out of Halford. It's a top of the range car. Flip and put it on the wheels it deserves. Gloss black inners with diamond cut faces. That's it. That's yeah. that's all wheels now. There's two sets of wheels recently from like a OEM manufacturer I've liked. Is Lee's ones on the Superb because they're not black inserts. They're metallic grey with diamond cut. And yours on the Audi which are the rotors, Yeah, where they use like a satin grey finish. To me, that's... Pretoria's was the best Volkswagen wheel made lately. Yeah, because they're actually painted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's several questions from Dennis, FF Metalworks. Denis. With the holidays fast approaching, what car parts have you as decorations? We Well, don't... I made quite a few over lockdown. My One of my lockdown projects was making Christmas decorations out of... Uh, little nuts and bolts and stuff and also like making Christmas cards and stuff. We don't have car parts as decorations for Christmas. We have car parts as decorations all year round. <laughs> all year round. Like our so you're jolly all year round. We're, I'm always jolly, fat and jolly. Um, festively plump as a previous boss once called me. Um, no, we have like a wheel table. So our coffee table is made out of two wheels. Um, we have a doorstop which is an, a center lock adapter which was on Connor Brogan's Mark V for the BTCC wheels. Yeah. Um, we have lamps, Two lamps made out of old oil cans and old exhaust and air filter. What else have we? We have loads of wee bits and pieces around the place, all old car parts. I still want to make a clock out of like like some sort of break desk and dish, but I haven't got around to doing anything like that yet. I'm act- I've got a old BBS dish there that I'm going to actually make into a clock. Yeah. So I must actually hit Brian cool. up because I need some clear perspex for the middle of it. Brian's the man for it. So, and maybe get him to laser the time in it so it's actually accurate. Yeah, that would be pretty good. It won't be actually a difficult one to do. Uh, Dennis also asked your favourite Lego kit. Millennium Falcon. I built a Beetle last year, I think it was. But I think you have it, Lee, as the boss I want to try. Mm. I definitely want to do it. As of this week, my favourite one is the new Quadro. That's right, I yeah. I took a picture of it there. I think I put it up on our socials for Astro Requests. That's right, yeah, I've seen that. It's cool. It's really cool. Yeah. It's not expensive and it looks great. There's some of them... Some of them are a bit of a push to what they're supposed to look the like. The Porsche one grinds my gears. It looks like it's been crashed. Yeah. <laughs> it's 200 quid and you build it and it looks That's like it's had a crash. That's orange one. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not so much into Lego Technic. You see, it's the Lego like, Technic I don't really like, yeah. yeah. But the wee Porsche ones, which I think is similar to that Audi one that you had, they're called like Lego Speed Champions or something. They're only about 20 quid. Yeah. And there's a load of them. We have quite a few of them. We have the Porsche one. I have a Mustang one. Yeah. Is there a, a Camaro? Ferrari one. There's a Camaro. There's the wee Quattro, I think we have, but haven't built yet. Yeah. But they're nice wee, you know, they only take you half an hour to build, yeah. but it's good distraction. Sometimes simple is better. That's why Lee likes me. <laughs> <laughs> Dennis also asked, if North American trucks were available to you, you would own one? If so, which one? Any of them. Yeah. I know the exact one I would own. What would it be? KC Garage. Oh. C100 with the mental engine on it. Is this the green one? That you yeah. Had? Oh, I love that thing. That's yeah. the one for me. Mo- I... Modern-wise, then, probably the latest 
raptors or something like that. Maybe. They are cool. Lee wants. I think I said whichever the ram, whatever, just whatever the biggest one is. Lee wants that a thirty-five hundred ram. Atlas, no, not an atlas. <laughs> well, I was, going, yours, I was going more it's with cool. pickup truck. But yes, I'd love an atlas. Oh. But if you're, ta- I don't know if he's talking American built or American market. Because yeah. then you've got you know all those cool Toyotas, the Tacomas and stuff that we don't get here, but yeah. they're not strictly American. But North American market pickups are far better looking than what we get. Oh, what we get is a sleek design. What they get is just like a big bulky, which looks to me Chunky, like a tra- yeah, industrial like a looking. traditional pickup. Yeah, you look at the likes of the um, Nissan Titan, which is a Japanese built, but it's built for the American market exclusively. It looks ten times better than any Nissan we get here, and you can't get it really seconds my shite but <laughs> i uh that's anything like that any of the modern those big silverados with like the dual yeah. lights on yeah. the front they're cool there's some nice stuff out there like cool the last question from dan says which big time car celebrity would you like to have on well we all know nigel's answer i think chris harris yep, yep. right away <laughs> I would just stand there in silence because going, it's Chris Harris. It's Chris Harris here. Oh you're, my God. You're my hero. <laughs> <laughs> make for an intriguing podcast. <laughs> Every so often, Connor would just slap me. Nigel, snap at it. Speak to the man. What, what about we, you? For me, um, I, I'm i not sure. There's a lot of people out there. One probably I think would be interesting would be James Pomfrey from Donut Media. Oh, he would be cool done a lot of stuff oh, he was he, an actor wasn't he, he was an actor he was actually in if you ever watched um how i met your mother yeah he was in it and like random bit parts he's kind of so thing. funny he's a funny guy he's so, so funny big volkswagen guy who's yeah. owned a lot of mark ones sirocco's mark threes i probably would have him on what would you like uh i was thinking about it and then i thought of gunther steiner i think his name is he's the Haas formula uh, one crew chief yes because I think he'd be great crack. He'd be calling the fucking wankers and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> or feeling that uh, Nico Hulkenberg, because he's pretty and I just look at him. <laughs> he, he, he's not allowed in the studio. He's on the phone. No, he has to come to the studio. Nope. That's the deal. Nope. He doesn't want to come on, he says. <laughs> Nico, if you're listening, you're more than welcome. Uh, next one then is from Emmett Tall93. Emmett O'Leary. He says, have you seen the Sapon are bringing the Audi Quattro Group B box? I'm getting one. That'll be nice and expensive, I imagine. Anything with Snap-on. I haven't Snap seen on. it, but it sounds cool. I have my Draper one. I'm going to stick a Quattro sticker on it from Reload. And Check save it. Reload.global. And <laughs> save, what you're saying is save a lot of money. <laughs> we'll get you a cheap toolbox. We'll stick a couple of Quattro stickers on it. I'm going to start importing them from China and slapping <laughs> stickers on them. So what, what would the uh, toolbox from snap-on metal money oh they're crazy money um a friend of ours his dad bought one that and this won't make any sense to anybody listening but honestly would be the length of that wall and would be the height of me and it was that much that he told his wife that he won it in a raffle very good and i would say it was like 20 grand that's insane uh, you know what lee you've <laughs> yeah, seen, it. seen it's, it this thing is ridiculous, ridiculous. like and everything in it is snap-on. And the odd thing that isn't is Bluepoint. Which is the budget snap-on? Yes, yeah, they're like slightly lower brand. It is... You want to see this workshop? Terracotta tile floor, two ramps, everything, like timber doors going into it. And you think nothing happens in here and it's a proper working mechanics guard. But it is pristine. Class. You ever been up at Dubtech, Paul McCochran? I haven't actually, but... He no has a ball, massive snap-on bench. No and Paul, I would say that place is immaculate. Um... 
just going back on the blue point stuff, you get what you pay for. It's not snap on prices and it's not draper prices, it's in between. But I have two blue point socket sets and a blue point jack. Now I get sick of buying draper jacks at a hundred uh, odd pound and then two or three years later the seal's going. Yep. Or something just completely terminal. I've had that blue point now for four years and it's never And what sort of money is that? It was on offer at the time. It was a low entry, lightweight one, and it was on offer, I think it was two thirty all in. So the all just over the price of two draper ones that won't last you a year. Yeah, Aye. yeah it makes sense. Like yeah. if you can afford the initial investment and it'll last you a lifetime. The toolkit, the socket sets I think it was an offer at the time, two hundred plus fat. Or was it two hundred dead or something like that? But But it's like that an axle stance, so do you want to be lying under something that's Potentially going to fail. When I think back at what I used to lie under to work under cars, scissor jacks all the time, I'm lucky to be here. Yeah, me too. I had a scissor jack collapse once on me, and it was not pretty. You started benching it over then, did you? Um, I was <laughs> I, Thankfully, I was outside of it. It was a friend's polo, but it, it was like, you know, most scissor jacks are like a diamond shape, so they, they go up and down together. This is like a C shape, like one-sided. Right. And it was a standard and a 9N polo. And I think I got him to jack it up. And I run the jack back down. As I came back down, I looked and thought, that's at a funny angle. And as I thought that, it just slipped and went bang. And where it took the chunk out of the floor was pretty much where my hand was, where I was leaning down to take it down. And I was like, yeah, I'm never working with one of these ever again. The only thing I ever use... The reason they call them a widowmaker, like... The only reason, or the only reason I ever use one is if I can't get a jack under a car, I'll wind it up with a scissor jack because it'll go in flat and then put the proper jack in under it. Because all about that low life. Yo. You. <laughs> Next question then from S14 OCP, young Simon. He asks, what cars in the last 10 years do you think will become a future classic? That's a difficult one. Yeah, I don't think there'll be that many. But I have several in my head. Then you look at like 10, 15 years ago, if someone told you that a one litre Fiat Uno was going to be a classic, you laughed at them. Mm-hmm. And you go to a classic show and they're sitting there. Anything limited edition or special, oh yeah, or not producing big numbers, or yeah, th- it's just a terrific car. Driving that's got to be the only ones because Mark Seven Club Sport S, Mark Seven Club Sport S, Mark Six Golf R. Yeah. Even rarer than that is Edition Thirty Fives. Yeah, um, shout out to Marty Mim. I think the M Twos competition M Twos are going to be because they're such a good car. I didn't think of those, but actually, yeah, you're I probably right on those. Because they're so expensive to buy compared to an M2. So there's less of them around. I think that's going to be one. Yeah, because yeah. one of the first things I thought was a Golf R, as in like more of a classic in like what it did for Volkswagen. But at the same time, there's so many of them around. There's, there's never a, there's a seal and they're not special enough. No. I would have said, if anything, the Mark 7 GTI. Yeah. Because they're rarer. Yeah, there's less of them because of that. Yeah. Like Club Sport S Mark 7s will just go mental price. Cause Cause the, it's crazy to think that though, isn't it? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Anything else? No. I'm trying to think, is there anything outside of the Volkswagen world that I could... I really wouldn't have a clue. Those Alfa Julias, potentially, because oh. they are so sexy. Yeah. They're one of the best looking modern cars. Oh, for sure. But it might not survive. I can't I think of I was going to say, I don't know how many of them will make it that far it's the, without going on fire. Or <laughs> They're competing against the M5s. Yeah. They're like a saloon alpha. They're a gorgeous car. It's hard to think. I said the Vag group, isn't it? Like? It is. Because you're so focused on yeah. it too. 
especially as I'm not into modern, like I, I know relatively little about modern Volkswagens for how much I'm into Volkswagen. So outside of Volkswagens again, it's um, take one for me. Hyundai i30, maybe. I just like those. <laughs> I know. Let's uh, move on. Spends it well to sell. <laughs> what about, sorry, Nigel, before you... All right. Any of the first-gen Teslas and stuff? Like, some of the fucking Tesla nerds are bound to be into that kind of thing. They probably are, but they'll, I they'll be like Apple. First-gen like Apple new... computers. Yeah, true. Or like people with the original um, Apple iPods, Macs and stuff. iPods and, yeah. and things like that, yeah. Retrofit the new technology into them. Probably. I can't but too many that. cars now are just so generic and appliancey uh, yeah. that I don't think there'll be that many. But that I think the problem is too, you know, a lot of manufacturers have to play safe in such a market oh, yeah. to survive. So there's, they're not going to. If I can see someone push the boat out a bit with either design or performance, is great because yeah. a lot of them aren't doing it. But you might find then that like the first gen ID threes and the first. You know, the first of everything might be of the new electric stuff. Mm-hmm. Or indeed, conversely, the last of the internal combustions. Well, that's, yeah, the last of the internal combustion Golf probably will, the performance model in it. But it's obviously not out yet. I just thought of something, Jap. Uh, launch edition Supras. Yes. 2019. Yeah. yeah. There's only a thousand. That's, I have that. They have edition. certain specs. Same engine and all the rest of it. They have certain trim and specs and all mm-hmm. the launch editions. So they'll be a collector's item. Yeah. Whether people hated them on the internet or not. Yeah. So if you want to buy a Z4, uh, work away. Go to Toyota. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Andy Maxwell, AJM VW, he asked, the best and worst VW in your opinion? Worst for me, anything based on a bus. Mm. I don't not. know. Those wee pickups and stuff are cool. I like those. I like, I like buses that, that, too. That, that's the problem. We're, we're completely hardcore VW, so anything VW will go, oh, it's cool in a certain weird kind of way. No, I have one. I don't like I have the worst one, I think. Mark V Golf Plus. Golf Plus. What a fucking pointless, horrendous car. <laughs> yeah, you're not far wrong, to be fair. Especially when you had the, was it the Turan? That's the fate multiple of the Volkswagen. Volkswagen world. It's, yeah, because you had the Turan and then the Mark V and then this weird thing in between. In between, which was horrible. The worst VW. That's a hard call. Uh, as I say, anything bust for me. Not a big fan of buses. Really not. They do next to nothing for me. I've drove a standard Beetle and it's the most depressing <laughs> driving thing. Yeah, I, I can appreciate the look of a Beetle though. Yeah, the no, that's the problem. Bit, where you have it in your head, you know, what's... This would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. But the reality of it is crap. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot of that for classic cars for people too. Yeah. What's the best one then? The best Volkswagen. Mark 4 R32. Done. Mark Mic one, drop. Mark 1 GTI. I think it's the purest Volkswagen performance hot hatch there is. Well, you wouldn't be sitting here with Lee and I Correct. if it didn't exist. Yeah. You wouldn't be doing a podcast. We probably wouldn't be friends. Yeah. Most of the car scene, like that's what kicked off hot hatches in general. Yeah. That's Steffi for me is the, is the original. I think I agree on that, yeah. Or would you, Mark IV R32? Yeah, I agree with you on the, all the stuff of the history and the legacy of the Mark One, but Mark IV R32. That's yours. Yeah. <laughs> Depends what way you're looking at, I suppose. Uh, you know, it's yeah. a very open question. Yep. Thanks, Andy. So, <laughs> the last three questions then from Audi underscore exclusive underscore. That's an American friend. It is indeed, Adam. Adam. Uh, how many Hail Marys does it take to repent for consuming pineapple pizza, Connor? 
Yeah, anyone that follows me on Instagram will know that I put up on a what was described to me as an abortion of a pizza. Um, it was interesting. There was yeah. So Lee and I Friday night weren't that hungry, and we says, "Oh, we'll throw on two frozen pizzas for dinner." And Lee doesn't like pineapple on her pizza. Yeah, so, so I, I always buy the ham and pineapple pizzas because I like the ham, but I don't like pineapple. So I always pick the pineapple that, off. You do realize the flavor of the pineapple is why you like the ham pineapple pizza because yep. the pineapple flavor will leak onto the pizza. Thank you. Yes. However, gives it that sweetness. I yes. don't and like makes the pizza. The texture of pineapple. It's gross and stringy and gets stuck in your teeth. I like a taste of pineapple. I like pineapple juice. I just don't like actual pineapple. So what I did was pick the pineapple off, and before I cooked mine, threw the pineapple onto my pepperoni pizza. Oh, doubled it up. Yep. Ugh. And lashed it into the oven. Pineapple and pepperoni. So I thought I'd post a picture of it on the Instagram stories for a laugh, and I got a lot of abuse. There was, was a, lot. a SWAT team outside your house. I sw- there was people from all over the world messaging, like literally, Raph's sister messaged Stop me. Stop the election. Connor's pineapple on <laughs> his pepperoni pizza. Yeah, during my election campaign, this is going to come up. This is what's going to kill it. <laughs> the skeletons in the cupboard. Yep. So, closet, sorry. I tell you what, it wasn't bad. What I ordered, what did I go out of my way to order it? Probably not. Was it nice? Yeah, it was fine. Open your mind, people. Good to know. No, I'm out. <laughs> I'm going to try it some night. Should. His next question is, ongoing winter project plans. On hold for you guys? Kind of. I think I'm going to look at trying to do something that doesn't involve the shell of the car. So we have actually a couple of engines to build, Lee, don't we? Yeah. I have a 24 valve engine to build. Lee is a Nova engine. I'm seeing your kitchen being Well, I was thinking a workshop. I was thinking dining room. Oh, nice. Because we clear out the dining room and throw You need to get all your interior and all that crap out of there first. Yeah. So what I'm thinking is... We I can see that you out. sitting down at Christmas, eating Christmas dinner. Pass the salt over there, darling. Where is it? It's beside the two pistons and rods <laughs> yeah. there. It's inside that Mark IV block. <laughs> There's actually a polo engine to build as well. So yeah, if we got something like that done, at least it would be productive. As Lee will tell you, I am a psychopath who, if I'm not doing something that I feel is productive... I don't feel like a human, true or false. Yeah. So I like, I'll go to bed. I like, can't even like sit down and chill and watch a film because he has to be doing something on his phone and also doing something else with Hello. his other hand. And, like, Talk to Laura. I'm exactly the yeah. same. Oh. <laughs> exactly. I was researching for the podcast and I had three laptops open and my phone and a notepad. I was like in the matrix. And I said to Lee at one point when I went to read something out to her, I was like, I don't even know which one to look at. Have <laughs> you ever seen the film Limitless with Yes. Uh, I've always said this. If I could take a pill that would allow me not to sleep ever again, I would it would I would take it in the morning. I just get so much done. Oh there is God. drugs that do the same thing, Connor. I've considered realize? it, but it's not really my thing. <laughs> I like my There's bed. some down side effects though, <laughs> there is. Yeah. I yeah. like my bed. I couldn't. See, I waste the sleep or sleep's a waste of time for me. I like my, my bed thing. too, but when I wake up, I can't stay in it. I'm just like, ding, day has started. <laughs> I stayed up stupidly late the other night, like three in the morning late. And I was awake at 20 past seven, I think. Oh, it's grim. And I was just like, uh, and I kind of lay there, but I wasn't going back to sleep. I just can't go back to sleep. So I have to do something. So yeah, that's fun, fun. What so a- yeah, over winter, I'd like to, I'd still like to try and do something with the Jetta and get it over to Ben. And- yeah. At least it might be starting to be ready for. He comes next to you, year. surely? No. I think he wanted us to take it over to him at that point. Right, so I'm okay. not sure. Maybe that's changed now. Okay. Even so, it's only it's the next town over. Like it's not very far for us. 
Yeah, that's true. Try and get that done as I well. I keep forgetting you that, yeah. I know. So do I sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's such yeah. a fun wee car too. What about you, Nigel? Any plans? Um, sort out the shades up the yard, basically. I keep saying there's an addition one to finish. Um, It'll be there. It'll be there anytime you want. There's a few wee jobs here and there. I'm going to do a bit of work in the crowd, I think, in the next few weeks, actually, here. Of top mounts and a few wee issues here and there to sort out. So Silly bits to do. Yeah. Um, I'll ch- put the winter wheels on, stuff like that there. That's right, I, you got those back, didn't you? Yeah. I've half an idea in my head to respray the Mark 1. So. Original colour? Mm-hmm. Very nice. Yeah, I was going to say, you can't change the colour. No, I love oh, that colour. one of the best colours. Like, it is. Is it Indian Red, I think it is? It's got like a gold fleck in it. Yeah, Indian Red's what my Mark 3 was as well. Yeah. So, don't know. So many projects, so little money. Lots of time. No, come yeah, January, no. <laughs> Brexit, there will be no time in Nigel's yeah, life. Yeah, that's true. You're going to be screwed. Yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah. So, final question then is from Audi Exclusive again. Lockdown favourite food stroke beverage choices? Mine's been alcohol. I The first lockdown, I took to drink a lot of beer. I actually don't drink a lot anymore. And it was, you know, when you, you sort of, like you're doing the dishes and you realise... I don't have to drive anywhere until tomorrow. There's like, there's no, I think a lot of people struggle with that. Yeah. Like there's a whole thing of like, I like, there's no reason for me to leave this house. So why not open a beer? And then that became a thing. And then I think I, I've talked to a lot of people who have went, it had to like, basically large majority of my friends were furloughed or not furloughed, but you know, they couldn't work. Yeah. And it became a habit. And after about three or four weeks, people are going, here, this is getting out of hand. Well, I kind of did that and then stopped. And now this one, although it has been mostly Saturday nights, Leah, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. I've cleared a couple of bottles of Jack Daniels now and again, by mistake, not meaning to. So that's kind of a <laughs> by thing. By mistake. Yeah. Well, I opened them and then didn't mean to drink the whole bottle. And then what was in the bottle was gone. And food-wise, I don't know. Oh, my, my chicken that I've been making. Connor, Southern Fried Chicken. Nigel, oh. we got to bring you some someday. Oh, please do. It's so good. It's, it's unbelievable. My favourite food would probably be... Is this a food you make yourself? Yeah. Lockdown places were closed, I suppose, so it would have to be. Um, I quite like making the Nando's chicken. Yeah, your barbecue stuff as well. Uh, I like oh, doing so barbecue. Yeah, I've done a few barbecues. Yeah. You're king of the barbecue. Thanks I very quite, much. I started making quite a nice peppered beef. Yep. Which I was quite proud of. It was tasty. It's funny though in those situations, like I enjoy cooking, but I never really get the chance to or never give myself the chance to. And then when you have all that time, you realize how much your own home cooking is so much better than like, especially fast food, you know, if not other places that you eat all the time. I think a lot of people learned how to bake as well. The shortage of flour. Yeah. You couldn't crazy. get flour <laughs> no. or icing, icing sugar. Was another one. For, I mean, literally Salt love nor money. Like it was ridiculous. And what would you for drink over? Coke Zero or Peroni? Peroni. Oh, yes. Prosecco. All the way. Nat or Magners. But they were always my favourites anyway. Uh, nothing's really changed with you there, no. has it? <laughs> I think that's all our questions then. That's Guys. it. Always ending on a food note. Yeah. It's the <laughs> best yum, note. Yum. So if that's us done with the questions then, that's us done for another episode. Yeah. As ever, I'd like to say thanks to all our listeners, old and new. It's still odd that people enjoy us talking shite essentially yeah and it's fast approaching on the one a year, year anniversary mark. yeah so i'm glad you're all with us and you're actually enjoying it because we really are 
Yeah. Um, remember, as always, to share the podcast if you're listening to it, and don't be afraid to leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen, or even just on the Facebook page, as yep. Chris Moran done recently. Collectively, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Reload Podcast. I'm at Connor McCann. I'm at Maxwell House 46. And I'm at V Dub Boy. Excellent, folks, and thanks very much. We'll see you again. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye.